1: Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Ryan Daly. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 496. We meet again. <laughs> Let's, see it. Let's see how we feel about this compared to the other times we've met to talk about David Gordon Green's Halloween entries. <laughs> it certainly is different. No one will ever deny this movie is quite different then.
0: Based on, based on the Twitter reaction that I've been following the last couple days, it's like... This is like the last Jedi level divisive amongst Halloween
1: fans. Which is funny because part of my notes is that I, I think there's a direct comparison you can make with, with this trilogy and the sequel trilogy, even mm-hmm. though, and, and and while this movie, I think there's no doubt this movie will be the most divisive by itself. But I do think kills as, as we discussed, kills started them down this road anyway, because kills was pretty divisive that if this is one of those classic examples, I think if you really, really liked Halloween kills, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to despise this movie.
0: <laughs> Which honestly surprised me. Like I never looked at like fan reactions for kills. Like I, I remember we talked about, it, but I had such a low opinion of that movie that I think I just blacked everything out. And I assumed most casual like fans or fans of the genre would have hated it the way I did. So it's only this week that I'm discovering, wait a minute, a lot of people hold that up as like the high art of the the Halloween franchise. I'm like, did we see the same movie?
1: God help us. Um, Yes.
0: But, but again, if, if, you know, these blockbuster franchises have taught us nothing over the last decade, it's that, you know, some person's garbage is another person's treasure.
1: That is, that, that is, that is true. I mean, I don't see. I don't necessarily think it's the majority that like Halloween kills. I just think and I don't even know if I don't even want to label it as you know one of my favorite negative terms, The you know, the uh, silent, the vocal minority mm-hmm. that. But I do th- I think it's a sizable portion that did like it just because of what they gave us that people had never seen before, kind of like. Mike, Michael Myers. Michael Myers doing his best Wolverine as we've always wanted to see him impression.
0: A uh, ninja Michael Myers killing 200 firefighters in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I, I can see the appeal to that, I, I suppose.
1: <laughs> yes, but it did also feature arguably the, the, the stupidest cast of slasher victims ever in a movie. Nobody made any bright decisions.
0: But. I, I mean, yeah, it's. I, I, I'm sure I made something to this, uh, the, a point to this effect when we last talked about that episode was when you when you decide halfway through the movie that the, the regular citizens are too stupid to live, you honestly don't care how they get killed or
1: when. Yeah, yeah, that that is—it's—it's it's hard to move past that. As, we, as I probably—I'm sure we mentioned in that episode—it comes back to the Alan B. McElroy for when he was when he talked about how he approached writing Halloween 4, it's like when people do, when stupid people do stupid things and get killed, that's not scary. But when you, what's scary is when smart, when people do the right thing and make the the smart decisions and they still get killed, then that's scary. And in Halloween kills was the complete opposite. Everybody, they were most of the people that died in that movie were not quote unquote bad people, as opposed to like in this movie, which we'll talk about. This wasn't Halloween kills was not the deserving kill, but, (laughs) but people were stupid enough to put them in position. It's like, it's like if there's a lightning storm and you're going out on the roof holding a big metal pole, if you get hit by lightning, what the hell do you think was going to happen? <laughs> we, form, shirt, we formed a posse to
0: to take Michael Myers out by numbers. Now let's go into this house one at a time.
1: <laughs> like... Yes. Yeah. Or, or we just stabbed him with a pitchfork, but let's not run him through the head. <laughs> <laughs> All because we have to have that plan to get him on the street. Mm. Oh, God. Okay. All right. So how do you think we should approach these? Do you think we should do a a relative, a synopsis of the whole movie first or or do you think we should just dive into how we feel about it and let the plot come out along the way?
0: uh, That's a good question. I mean, I think we've sort of crept up to the fact that like our, our expectations going in or what was our mindset going in? And, and I can tell you, I had no desire to see this one. I agree. Um, if, If not for you reminding me, I, I don't, I probably wouldn't have seen this movie. Um, um, so I was like, uh, it was like there, there's two movies coming out that I really, I feel like I have to see, but I don't want to. It's Halloween kills or Halloween ends and Black Panther. I was like, ah, oh, these are going to be frustrating. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I won't bury the lead. I mean, you, you saw before me and you texted me something to the effect of like, well, I liked it better than I expected. I was like, okay, I don't know if we're exactly eye to eye, so maybe you'll see, you'll find something redeeming in this. Film that I won't. That didn't really change my perspective, but I, I, I kind of I came out of the movie when it was over. Like I think I, I texted my brother. I was like inexplicably, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> like I didn't want to tell you my my impressions overall. I wanted to keep that for here, but I was like. Yeah, I really liked this one. I, although I can't necessarily articulate it, I'm gonna have to for the purposes of the show. <laughs> but like when I when I first came out of the theater, I was like, "Damn, if this isn't one of my favorite movies in the franchise!" Now flawed as heck, yes. But but it gave me something that I've kind of been wanting the franchise to do, and we can get to that. But yeah, I mean, should, I, I guess I'll throw the question back at you. Like, do we, are we just diving into this, or should we? sort of let's, sum it up
1: let's let's dive into it because i think we can we can as we dive into it i think we'll we'll we can, we'll get to the plot points or and we'll, mm-hmm. as different parts will come out and the way you described it was exactly how i felt about it i i mean i didn't go into this movie i went into this movie not having great expectations at all that's the understatement of the year because i think 2018 was as my voice changed for a moment like peter brady uh 2018 <laughs> was like half a good Halloween movie. And then it went off the rails. 20 uh, Halloween kills was just horrible. Great kills, but horrible. And then, so I had no desire to see to see this movie. But I, I also knew pretty much all, all the major, even before scenes started getting leaked, I already kind of knew about the Corey Cunningham, where they were going with it and how supposedly the movie ended and all this stuff. So I went, so it was more like trying to see how this stuff would resonate with me because, as opposed to, and yeah, I came, at, I came out at, at that, I was. Tra- I I also tried to tone my when I when I texted you I tone I kind of toned down what I thought too. Plus I knew I was seeing it again that night, so I could get the chance to, you know, I wouldn't have to like <laughs> retract my statement in case something <laughs> changed in nine hours.
0: When you said you were seeing the movie twice in like a half a span, I was like, boy, I hope it's not terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, maybe it was, a, it was a sign from God that it wasn't going to be because. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I I actually flaws and all. I really did enjoy this movie. I I think by far it's my favorite of the three. It's it's not a, yeah. again it's yeah. not it's it's the least Halloween esque Halloween esque probably of the three based on your classic yeah I agree. Your blueprint your blueprint yeah. of what you expect in a Halloween movie. It's completely different. But this movie maybe more than most of the others, it seemed like they it knew where it wanted to go, the point that it wanted to make in this movie, and and yeah, it was going to be different. You knew it was going to be different, and just by the very nature of how they approached this movie, you, this movie was almost destined to be divisive no matter what. Because again, Halloween Kills was, for the most, for for a lot of us, Halloween Kills was hot garbage. Uh And some people like, like you said, they liked it. So that in this movie, you knew this movie was going to be complete. The whole tone, the four-year jump, it was going to be. It was just going to be completely different. Then we live in an era where we get we get the. And the final chapter in blah, 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 blah saga, which almost never is and almost is never definitive or is misleading. So we come, we've kind of come to expect that you're not going to get a definitive answer or a definitive right. conclusion. So you get an absolutely definitive conclusion, at least to the Michael Myers, Laurie Strode saga in this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's going to shock some people. And there's also those people out there who literally who saying, hey, they were rooting for either Michael Myers to live or, or at least that wanted them both to, you know, it's both to kind of like suffer the same fate. So when they didn't, that was going to disappoint some, so it was it was one of those things where it was going to be really impossible to make people happy. Right. But the but the main part of the main the, the gist, you know, the the twist in the movie, if there is a twist, if obviously it, we can get into a little bit now with the Corey Cunningham character, who is hmm. introduced in a really cool scene. The opening scene in the movie is really surprising. And, oh yeah, yeah, and, and on multiple levels, but it sets up this kid, Corey Cunningham, who. Who's not really a babysitter by trade? And the one thing David Gordon, the one thing that is consistent in the David Gordon Green trilogy, it would be good to psychoanalyze. Is obviously he does not think very highly of children for the most part, because <laughs> almost in every single movie we have, we have kids that are assholes in the, <laughs> the David Gordon Green trilogy. <laughs> uh,
0: I, like I didn't want to say, boy, I hope Michael Myers stabs the hell out of his <laughs> kids. Like I, I didn't want my head to go there, but I was like, what a rotten little.
1: Yeah, bastard. but he he does he does not think very. Or, or he's just trying to speak of maybe how we maybe it's a deeper meaning about how we always we kind of like put kids up on pedestals. Are we mm-hmm, everybody supposed mm-hmm. to love kids when the reality is a lot of times kids are jerks? Mm-hmm. But this kid's an asshole. Uh, Corey has to babysit him. He, he just he plays this, he plays a prank on Corey, Mace, trying to get Corey to think that Michael because it's the, the opening right. scene takes place a year after the events of 2018 and the t- first two parts in this trilogy. Michael Myers has disappeared. Nobody has seen him. So it's in a way it's cast a bigger shadow of darkness over Haddonfield because the fact that you have no definitive answer to what's going on. It's not like he's locked up. It's not like he's, you know, it's he's not dead. He's not locked up. It's just the fact that he's missing. So it's like even it's even worse because there's evil. And as they do, as we find out, it seems like the evil is kind of infiltrating had and feel on different levels. So this kid plays a prank on Corey to make him think that Michael is in the house and he's doing something to the kid. And then all all the lock Corey up into the attic, which we're going to assume Corey has a certain amount of uh, claustrophobia because he starts having a panic attack and the kid refuses, refuses to let him, let him out of the room the attic and just in time when his parents come home cory freaks out he breaks open the door and the kid stupidly is standing right in front of the door the door swings open hits him knocks him off like a third story <laughs> staircase and he falls down breaks his neck dies and cory of course gets labeled a, ba- a baby killer a child killer which he gets off the hook for legally, but he becomes the town pariah and that's the character we end up following in when the actual movie, you know, when we when we jump past the credits, the very Halloween three season of the witch type credits on purpose, no doubt. Uh, same mm-hmm. font color, give or take same font yep. style that. So Lori's in a better place when the movie picks up. Lori's not which is which is on one level odd because Karen's dead unless she really didn't like Karen <laughs> like we didn't like. But the reality is Lori's uh-huh. kind of made peace with the, especially arguably just because she knows that now Michael was never really after her. So that, that's, I guess, how you could explain a little bit of it. That it wasn't it wasn't anything personal. But she's made more peace. She's writing her memoirs. She's living with Alice and her granddaughter. And she she and Corey stumble upon it. Corey's getting bullied by by a weird mix of band kids who half look like jocks and half look like the ultimate dweebs in the world. It's like it's a weird, really weird combination of bullies.
0: It was, it was like if the if the crew they like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers crew never got their superpowers. It was like we've got we've got a whole like cornucopia of different like types of
1: people here. in this or, world. or or like if the Breakfast Club was driving around yeah. bullying people. Yeah. <laughs> so Lori kind of befriends Corey, who gets hurt in 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 the, in the bullying incident, and then Corey bonds with Allison, and they start having a, a relationship. All this all this leads to an eventual Michael who's been as we find out Michael's been living in sewer in a sewer pipe for the last four years occasionally killing I guess just to sustain himself and some in multiple ways but he is a broken down beaten shell of what he was the last time we saw him he goes to kill Corey their eyes lock this is probably this is probably the most one of the most controversial parts of the movie that uh Cause, because it's open to interpretation, really, what entirely is going on here? Right. But, but Michael locks eyes with Corey, and basically, one way we see a mixed flashback of different things that have happened to Corey and things that have happened to Michael. Michael lets him go,
0: sucks ostensibly that, because he sees that this is a killer. If I right. He's, he sees like yeah, there. There's a yeah. psychic bond or something. Like yeah,
1: that. there is. There is some there is some kind of transference on some level between the two of them because Corey does, because Corey just starts, he gets more, he starts becoming more confident even before they literally become partners in crime Mm -hmm. that he becomes more confident. Now, I mean, when you think about it, the movie kind of gives you a borderline explanation for what's going on later on, right before the, the best kill in the movie with the, with the radio DJ which we'll get to <laughs> that when the, when the caller calls in and and get, and talks about you know the my favorite Nietzsche quote of all time that you know when when you're hunting monsters you you have to be careful you have to be paraphrasing when, when whoever whoever hunts monsters has to be careful that in the process you don't become a monster yourself because when you look right. long into the abyss the abyss looks into you yeah. So in a way that is exactly what's going on with Michael and Corey, that Michael is seeing like a kindred spirit in Corey, Corey is getting some of the evil from Michael and, or it's a jumpstarting what's inside of him, which of course the father of the kid, when he's talking to Lori later on kind of opens that door too. It's like, you know, with the kid that I knew that, you know, the guy that I knew, the the teenager that I knew that Corey would never have done anything and killed my you know, killed my son on purpose. I know that, but looking at the, you know, looking at this kid now and what's in his eyes, that's not him anymore. So the question is, did the town make him that way? Or was, or was that always there just waiting to come out? So it it does raise a lot of, uh, does raise a lot of interesting questions, but eventually, but Mike, but from a plot perspective, Corey starts becoming more confident. He and Allison become, become closer. He takes, which is interesting, because I don't know if you caught this right away that, that the the officer, the M- M- Mulaney, is referred is uh, the flashback is a tie to those kids in the 1978 flashback in Halloween Kills that were bullying Lonnie.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. with, yeah.
1: with the don't fuck with the Mulaneys, because so someone <laughs> someone so the cop can't say can't take no for an answer goes in, and he is being there's no doubt that Corey is setting him up here. But then again, that's the part of this movie. It, Almost everybody who gets killed in this movie, quote unquote, has it coming to a certain extent. Almost everybody, at least anyone who's killed by Michael or Corey kind of has it coming for the most part, which is a, which is not an uncommon dynamic in slasher movies. but like we said, Halloween kills didn't really go that route. it was just basically you were in his path, you were getting it one way or the other. Right. So he leads so Corey leads this the cop down into the sewer. He wants, he partially wants my, uh, Michael to kill him, but he also wants to learn how to do it, literally. But Michael is really weak at this point. So Michael really would have had, a, he probably would not have been able to take out uh, Doug. With no,
0: him. yeah, Mulaney is clearly getting the better of him yeah. until Corey helps out. Yeah, Corey rings. helps
1: him, and then he encourages Michael, because he's like the, like the, it's more like I joked around the Mickey about the the, the Loomis being Mickey, and more, <laughs> more like was Corey being Mickey. Get up, you son of
0: a because
1: Corey loves you. <laughs> and it's like every stab stab, it's like his
0: his health improves. You see him getting bigger and bigger and it's like stronger, like physically.
1: Yeah, it, the, it's, it's like literally he's drawing a tra- he's drawing a charge off, in a way off of mm-hmm. when he's mm-hmm. killing and and how he kills. It isn't just always. Oh, mm-hmm. like when he slit his throat, it was only a little bit, but the more he, you know, but the more he unleashed that rage into into doug he started becoming you know he he wasn't hunched over anymore he wasn't like favoring one arm he was standing upright so at least this does this picks up on at least a concept that was introduced in halloween kills when laurie says the more he kills the more he transcends that's one of the few things that this movie picks up on because clearly the whole what why is michael staring out judith's window we don't get any that that thing is thrown literally thrown out the window because we don't they, they don't go back to it all I mean, we know the Myers house gets burned down because they show us this in a newspaper clipping, but they play that up so much. That's one of my cons. They play that up so much in Halloween Kills that there was some significance of looking at something in that window, especially when when Karen looks up and she sees like the six year old Michael up there in the clown suit and she goes up there to look out the window before she gets killed. It's like. The fact that they that we ne- we never get any payoff on that at all was a little disappointing.
0: And since I thought the concept was kind of dumb, I was fine with them yeah. ignoring it. Yeah. it
1: is dumb. I agree with you, but they, but they played it up so heavily. But then, but I think- was
0: actually I I was fine forgetting about the middle chapter of this trilogy. Yeah, like exactly. I my my mind can go go from Halloween 2018 to this movie, and, and just leave that. Yeah,
1: and on some level, you would. I mean, on some level, you could even skip 2018 because they give you so much of a recap. Lori gives you so much of a recap that you mm-hmm. could probably go into this movie cold and you no, would not be no. especially if you've seen other Halloween movies. You would not you sure. if you've if you've seen the 78 movie, you could probably go into this movie cold and you would not be lost, which maybe doesn't say much about the trilogy overall. But but my but Michael and Corey end up becoming like a tag team here, and you can see Michael's getting he's getting he's still weaker than he was, but he's getting stronger. Corey is getting you know he's getting kind of like physically stronger too and a little more impervious impervious to stuff as time goes by mm-hmm.
0: but, but they definitely show like Corey's first attempt he's there's a learning curve yes. it doesn't go well like he could have got caught because he didn't he didn't trap the nurse deb or whatever after he killed yes. the doctor she had she was going to call the cops if michael hadn't been there to bail cory out it would have been his first try it just was a complete failure
1: yes but there obviously is a bond between the two of them, because even Michael looks back at Corey before he finishes off the, uh, before the, you know, before the nurse dies and everything. So there is some kind of, so if nothing else, it seems like my, Michael has kind of like started core, even if it is just unlocking the inner monster that was inside of Corey to begin with, hmm. that they both are kind of like feeding off the, off these kills that are, that are being conducted. Now, Laurie sees in the, in the beginning, Lori, of course, likes Corey because she's the one who introduces him to Allison. But after the event, after the experience with M- Michael and Corey the first time in the sewer, the next time Lori sees him, which is a really creepy way. Just, you know, the, the looking out the window, and kind of looks off like Michael. And then the way that, that really cool night jump scare when he was perfectly behind her. right? So, so there was no way, you know, until you could see it. But obviously they positioned it perfectly for the camera mm-hmm. <laughs> that Lori sees Something in his eyes that's exactly that that's Basically, the only time she's seen that before was in was in Michael. Right. And of course, Allison doesn't want to hear any of that as we as the movie goes on. And Lori tries to do her best to try to help Corey throughout the movie. And Corey Corey eventually just snapped and basically goes full on Michael Myers. Literally, and this is the part most people probably don't like but he was he went into the sewer and literally took the mask off of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And I guess we could argue why that would maybe something worth talking about why we think Michael was. I mean, we know Michael was weaker and maybe and Corey was getting stronger, perhaps. And maybe that's the reason at the time that that, that wasn't just such a one sided conflict, but or that Michael really at the moment at the time had no desire to really kill Corey. I mean, I, I, either way, I don't know what it is. I mean, that we can talk about, but he but Corey takes Michael's mask and then the, like the last act of the movie, and something I almost. A large part of the last act is basically the best kills in the movie are being conducted by Corey dressed as Michael Myers. And there's some really good kills.
0: There are some really good ones.
1: <laughs> he gets he gets a payback to all the bullies.
0: Oh, yeah, he, the way he takes out the Breakfast Club is really inventive yeah, that so pretty
1: cool. Yeah. That that is that is that is beautiful. And the uh I'm glad he didn't kill his stepfather. I'm, right right because his stepfather was like the other than other than allison the stepfather was really the only other guy really nice to him throughout the, the whole movie yeah
0: and that was something like that like again like when as it was playing out i was like all right how are they going to handle this because the stepfather was in the scene i was like he's not going to kill his stepdad it's just like that doesn't seem something so to have his stepdad accidentally just like friendly fire actually trying to protect his kid i thought that was actually a oh, oh, well-deserved like finale for them yeah
1: yeah i think i they they handle they handle that i think about as well as you could have because i think because if he had ended up killing his if he had ended up killing his stepfather that would have been that would have been as as re, a ridiculous and undeserved kill as in the danny trejo getting killed in the rob zombie Halloween.
0: oh yeah uh, i actually and this this is just like a weird aside but i was for some reason i just i found myself wishing that that stepfather character the guy who runs the junkyard Wasn't his stepdad like? I mean, if he wasn't, then you miss like the funny line when like after we see how truly awful his mom is, and he just goes (laughs) like something like like what does he say like go go find love or something like that like dude like he makes a joke about that that was funny, but I kind of thought like there because he had no real presence or no strength at home, I kind of thought it would have been nice if he was like just the one guy in town that actually showed Corey some some compassion and treated him like a person like a good guy um and then just still suffered the same kind of fate um i didn't know that he had to be the stepfather but it it doesn't lose anything either way i just thought it would have been it made maybe would have made the world a little bit bigger a little bit nicer if he wasn't the the stepfather if they didn't have that connection but whatever
1: that's true and especially because when you think about it in When we're first introduced to this character, we have no way of knowing that he is the stepfather. It's just it's we just think that he is the kid, the guy's boss, you know, the kid's boss. Mm -hmm. And then we find and then we find out then we find out later on that, yeah, that 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 he's unfortunately burdened with being married to Corey's ridiculously overbearing mom. And, you know, and you knew his mom was going to get it. So so that's why you that's why they, they had to come up with a somewhat creative way. Uh, now if yes if you wanted if you wanted if cory had gotten to the point where he he was no longer Corey at all where he was mm-hmm. literally he had become what michael had become at that point where there was like basically no human connection with anything left at all then him killing his, his stepfather would be fine if it had to happen but we knew he wasn't at that point so but yeah it's wiping out the wiping out everybody at the, at, at at the junkyard that's cool the taken out his, you know we don't get to see him take out his mother which is probably the only unsatisfying part about about that but it's set up it's set up nicely but the stuff <laughs> at, but the stuff at the radio station was great dad because the, there was one that dead that, dead that, that, other than the bully the main bully himself that dead that dj is that's that part that asshole needed to go really badly and it's like
0: <laughs> I, I loved him he just like shows up for like Two set, two minutes or something. I was like, I I love this character, and I knew he was gonna get killed. I was like, he is going to die painfully, but yeah. I love this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he 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 did die painfully, and it was it was probably the best kill. Um, which all leads to Corey tells Allison to go meet him at meet him at the diner they were at earlier earlier in the movie, and I think that's just, just that, to get her out of the house. Yes, yeah. I was just gonna say that was just to get Allison out of the house, so to set up a confrontation between the Corey Michael Myers. And Lori, who, of course, has has spider senses, she already knew that she already knew that Corey was in the bill was in the house. So she fakes this whole she goes through this elaborate fake suicide, uh, calling in 911 even to report a suicide and fires off a shot with the door like three quarters closed. And of course, she just ended up shooting a pumpkin and. Mm-hmm. And it's which is a variation on the scene we see in the trailer, which, of course, is, is zoomed out in the trailer. Right, right. Because you actually see somebody wearing the Michael Myers mask, pushing the door open with the left hand, which if people paid attention would have been the clue. that There was more than one killer in the movie anyway, since he had all the fingers. And of course, Mike, <laughs> the real Michael Myers is missing most of his half his fingers on that hand. But but Laurie just, you know, she plugs him a couple of times with the gun. And of course, which I guess shows that he is getting stronger because he's not dead yet and he's still able to move around. Mm-hmm. And then, but that. he
0: takes a header over the the balcony to over the the stairlight. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he he that's true. He does he does go down those stairs, and Allison's about to show up. And this is this was clever on one level. It's kind of like it's like hey, it's like uh, considering that idea that hey, if you if I can't have her, no one will, which really meant hey, you can't have her either, Lori. Not 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 right, like I'll ju- I'll
0: idea. destroy your relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So 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 Corey stabs himself in the, in the throat with the knife. Seemingly killing him. Seemingly. And, of course, Allison walks in when Lori now drifts drifts into Halloween kills mode and has to be stupid enough to literally pull a knife out of Corey. (laughs) Right when Allison's about to walk in and she's standing there holding a bloody knife in her hand is like, yeah, that doesn't make her look guilty or anything. Right. Which, of course, is just this all leads to Michael, who I guess has been trailing who has been trailing Corey probably the entire evening and then finally comes back. He gets the mask. And that leads to the final confrontation between Laurie and Michael, which what, what did you think about, about the, at least from an emotional satisfying perspective, did you, did you think that final conflict between the two of them was good or worth it? Or do you think it still needed something?
0: I was actually, I was surprisingly very happy with it um, because of how contained it was. And I actually, I, I cheated a little bit because like I was, I actually like checked my clock because I was like, okay, like it, like it I checked it a couple of times, not because I was taken out of the movie, but I was just like, I was curious. I was like, okay, it's like an hour into this movie. We haven't seen Michael or something. It was like close to that or whatever. And then like, once the kills start ramping up, I'm like, okay, we're moving at this burst pace. But like, once we get to her house, I'm like, there's only 20 minutes left in this thing. And then like, once he does come back and he puts, he gets his mask back and his mojo back, I'm like, okay, they don't have like enough time to like, do a whole other set piece like there's not going to be a chase through backyards and everything and and some other kind of elaborate trap I'm like this is going to end here probably in this kitchen and then the fact that it did i was just really happy with that i think it it in some instances it like it went on too long like, okay how many times has he been stabbed how many times is he bleeding he still has the strength to try and choke her out so there, there were some things about that but it was just like, okay you just kind of accept this sort of metaphysical nature of this character the supernatural nature of the character and what what he's capable of but yeah i thought like the the way she took him down and like the, like the sort of not surgical precision but like the the calculation that she took and like pinning him there even like with the the refrigerator to take him down and because i i also felt like i was like oh yeah I remember like the conceit of the first movie was that yeah they've aged up lori in real time Michael too, he's gotta be now in his sixties and I felt like they forgot about that in Halloween kills. But at this point I was like, yeah, you know, like this is gonna be this isn't the same. He's not he's not spry and agile and healthy. Um so I felt like at this point, yeah, he was he was vulnerable, he was weakened, and she was able to capitalize on that and I and yeah, I, I don't know. I just I I was happy with that because at that point I was like, okay, we do need this final resolution between these two characters but i the movie wasn't about that it's like we needed that sort of as a capstone for this this trilogy and the whole saga but the movie wasn't really about that so i didn't want them i didn't want that part their final fight to overstay its welcome and i don't think it did
1: i agree i think as some people have pointed out in a way maybe if it feels a little uneven in this movie it's just it's because like you said the movie really isn't about this and Corey is arguably the main character in the movie and, and mm-hmm. the whole idea about, you know, the, na- again, the nature of evil and how it infects and how it corrupts and how, and how, you know, like Laurie says in the movie about how, you know, evil doesn't really die. It just changes shape yeah. that the, uh, that the idea that those were the real issues being explored in this movie on, on some level by tacking on the, It's almost this. I mean, again, this is probably not what it was, but it it probably was always intended to be like this. But if we had if we find find out after the fact that this was oh the studio insisted we have this, or or Jamie Lee Curtis insisted, oh we have to make sure we have this. This has to be like the final big scene. That it wouldn't surprise you that because on some level it doesn't really seem to flow with what we, especially once. Once I mean, in a way, the 2018 movie was set up for this, too, because the fact that once we realize that Michael and Lori are not on this natural collision course for any real reason, that it doesn't really it doesn't you don't need to have that kind of real payoff other than because it's all oh, it's, it's kind of like gimmicky in a way that it's what it's again, the expe- the expectation. Mm-hmm. But
0: also, like, to some extent, I could I can even dismiss it feeling like it's a little bit disjointed from the main narrative because I also feel like it's pointing to the effect. Like part of Corey's inherent tragedy was just that he he was created a monster sort of artificially by the town in a little bit, and just by poor circumstances. But he didn't necessarily. He wasn't more or less born evil the way Michael was. He had to be pushed to, to to this point. So I feel like part of it was just like he just wasn't as good as Michael Myers. He wasn't like the primetime player. Like I, when Lori is standing over him, like after he's fallen off the stairs and he's bleeding to death, I kind of wanted her to say, sir, I know Michael Myers. Michael <laughs> Myers was a friend of mine you sir are no michael myers <laughs> like, like part of the tragedy was like yeah he was he was the poor man's killer he he wasn't that good so we do kind of need we we do kind of will the real michael myers please stand up we do need that at the end just to give a sense of finality but that doesn't undercut cory being the main character no i doesn't. think it just enhances his sense of tragedy that this wasn't supposed to be his fate. This was a real unfortunate circumstance for him.
1: Right. You buy the town and by Michael and everything else. Yeah. So all these all these external forces, even on Michael, to be fair, Michael. I know other, I, I've, other people made made comments like this, too. It's like, uh, Mike, if you go back to the real history, it's not like Michael was really born evil it just kind of snapped that's the point mm. especially right. if you read especially if you go back to the novelization of Halloween it's like uh he was he was pretty much a normal kid and then he started and then he started hearing voices which is kind of cool i always like the fact that in Halloween 6 when mrs blankenship refers to that because that is a direct callback to something that was in the novelization that michael did hear voices as a kid just like supposedly his grandfather did but his grandfather killed himself before he ever got to the point where he he might not be out of control what was the thoughts in his head but the idea that you know that's what made Michael scary, unlike the stupid, the Rob Zombie typical serial killer garbage, you know, redneck, right. is the fact that Michael was normal one day and then not normal the next day, and then and then he became this. And even to be fair, even after he killed Judith, he wasn't entirely what he became in Halloween yet because he he wasn't he wasn't catatonic immediately. The whole the, there's a the bunch there's a bunch of stuff in the novel about things that happened at Smith's Grove that basically we knew that Loomis knew Michael did them, but they could never prove it because of the, because he Mm. was so good at it, but people who antagonized Michael and picked on Michael and things like that, but he was not just sitting in his room, looking at the window at that point. Right. So, yeah. So Michael obviously got a better, got a younger head start than Corey did. (laughs) (laughs) And he was, and he was proficient at it, but yeah, the, And I know some people criticize the Corey, the Corey angle, not necessarily because, because let's be honest, conceptually, we've been down this road before. They just weren't fully as committed to it.
0: And and honestly, so, okay, we got to let's let's really dive into the Corey of it. And and I will say, like, I don't I think this sprung out of maybe our last conversation when we were talking about kills. It might have been the one before that. I don't remember because I think I got some idea from our talk that crystallized after the fact that wasn't part of our conversation, but um, like I, I really latched onto this idea of where the franchise should have gone after Halloween four, which I've always had a love for that movie, just because it was like, like the first one that I, I really saw and zoned in on like at a, for at an impressionable age um, when I was being babysat by by a girl down the street. Um, Even though, yeah, his mask was awful in that movie, but that movie I I, I really like Halloween four and that cliffhanger finale ending when his niece Jamie in the in the clown suit reminiscent of Michael's old one kills the woman and and kind of turns into that killer and where that could have gone with. Passing the torch from Michael to somebody else in his family, an organic legacy killer version, and what they might have done with a a new blood, a, a female version of this circle that we hardly ever see, and and new kind of rules and tropes that you could have built around that idea of her, perhaps in a new costume, if she's not wearing that mask, if she's wearing something else, like a witch mask or something, you know, a similar reminiscent of like the Halloween threesome, just all these new ideas that they could have gone based off of halloween 4 so yeah for like the last year since halloween kills i've been thinking the 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 problem if if you have been a fan of this franchise for decades if you've seen 10 or 11 of these movies like at some point Michael's just not interesting anymore. Like, we, like all, all you have is new kills, and they can be creative, but they're not as satisfying. They're not as fulfilling. So now, having all three movies being able to see the subtotal of what David Gordon Green wanted to do with this trilogy and make it not about the killer, but about the survivors, good and bad, and and like what the the post-trauma this has. On um, people and as a community as a whole. And I do want to come back to that bigger idea later on. But, but focusing on the Corey aspect of it, I, that was my favorite part about this movie, was that I felt like in a way that felt organic to the story, they moved beyond Michael, at least for this movie. They, I mean, his, his ghost lingers over this whole story, but. Like he's not in it. I mean, people are joke. The the people who hated this movie are joking that Michael's just a cameo. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually what I liked about it. They did something new. They created a new villain that was steeped in the lore and the idea of Michael Myers, but somebody that we haven't seen ten times now doing the same shtick. And and I found Corey a fascinating character because from the beginning, and I I, I do like that opening scene in it, like when. When the kid is dead and it cuts to the opening credits, I'm like, wait, what? That's how you're starting this? You're not even showing Michael. Like Michael wasn't there. You like you're breaking the rules. But that was cool. And I let you, I was like, okay, this movie has already surprised me just in the opening, and that like started turning. I was like, all right. But if Corey, like once we see the Corey in, it, I was like, okay, if he's gonna be a main character in this movie, I was like, I know it was an accident, but he did participate in the death of an innocent child maybe a bastard but an innocent child in the beginning of this movie how are you going to make this guy redeemable if i was assuming he was going to be kind of our young hero our young male lead in this one i was like i don't know if i'm going to be able to be that compassionate about this guy and then just seeing where this thing is escalating i'm like oh you're surprise number two. You're not making him the hero. I was like, you're taking him down this path where the, the, this town is sort of like feeding on him and pushing him to this destination that he does not want to go but sort of can't escape, like this horrible fate. And it just I, – I was into it. And then the fact that like, yeah, he is bad at it at first. He doesn't know how to kill like the doctor and, and the nurse and not get caught. He needs to be bailed out he needs to like the the first time he kills the homeless bum the vagrant outside of Michael's cave it is more accidental and he he is learning. and then when he's actually the first time when he's wearing the scarecrow mask i was like that is awesome i was like yeah give him a new costume a new identity and i i was kept, i was half path in half out i kind of wanted that to stick and that to be his killer mask the scarecrow thing but i also saw okay he needs to feel He needs Michael's mask for the power he believes that it gives. He's stealing something that he hasn't necessarily earned. And that will come back to bite him later on. As I said, like when Laura's like, you sir, I know Michael Myers. Um, But so, yeah, just like a, a lot of things about the way they took his character. I was just really excited about because I did not see it coming. And that surprise and again, giving a legacy killer that they kind of built up organically through the story, I just found really refreshing, and it's it's what I've been wanting this franchise to do for a long time. The only thing I didn't like was the the romance between him and Allison was way too rushed, just for the sake of this. Like, I, I like it was one of those things. Okay, I know every woman has or is into different things, but it was like she locked eyes with him and she was like, "Oh, you're damaged. I must sleep with you." It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, okay i know you've been through some trauma but maybe yeah, may be
1: a little bit more picky than this so I know, it, what did you think of cory he had a good he had a good final two days though when you consider everything because <laughs> yeah. the house is pretty hot uh bad taste in men overall even though we know cameron is was re cameron was redeemed and uh he was like once we saw yeah. halloween kills he was a lot it was a different portrayal of of a, a different side of Cameron than the douchey side we saw right in the right plus arguably he's one of the few characters that does something not stupid because he handles the frank finding hawkins absolutely correctly which saves his life uh true i i like i i liked Corey. i think they showed that if you did if you kind of did this essence transfer kind of thing properly a a transitioning from one supernatural killer to another you could you could do this was a clever way of doing it especially when you know because it, it wasn't now part of it he could have been doing this psycho on purpose psychologically or it could have just been he was being kind of it kind of was like washing over him mm. but and it also probably because it was james jude courtney playing him in, in every scene you know, so in real life you know the real explanation but clearly they don't make any distinction from a movement perspective that Corey michael looks moves like michael michael You know, he all his movements, the way he's walking, the way he 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 moves, like you would expect Michael Myers to move. So that that made it easier, you know. And even some of the kills, I mean, yeah, the kills were some of them were over the top, but based on kills, I mean, you can't say they that's not in Michael's mo and his you know his bag of tricks. Anyway, so I I liked Corey. I he wasn't he was a he was a tragic figure. It does raise the question about. You know whether how much evil is made versus how much it's created, you know, born versus you know n- n- nature versus nurture, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that I thought that was I thought that was important. It obviously yes, it's a direct call. It calls back to we we, we they went they, they've kind of they've been this close to going down the road like this road before with Halloween four, and of course even to a lesser extent in Halloween six with the Curse of the Thorn thing, the idea. Yeah yeah was. oh yeah yeah. That they've the, the idea that the, the evil that's in Michael is not inherently Michael, which makes sense, no matter how, no matter what, because evil is evil. Yeah, but the idea that it could be transferred and passed on from some from one person to the next, it, it, this is the vessel for it for now, but there could be another vessel for it. So the do idea, you, Good.
0: Do you think that his doctor in the first one, Sir? What was Sartain, his name, Sir?
1: Sartain. Sartain.
0: Sartain. Yeah did they do you did they explore that like it was the doctor's like psycho like psycho turn was that no i don't think so. i i think i was trying to wonder if like that was based on like his if they explain like he, he stared too long into michael's eyes and kind of went crazy himself but, but i don't you, know if they, But you could
1: read in. but you obvious you could obviously read into that because he remember yeah. he makes a like, comment because i was actually i was i was watching 2018 actually it was last night the idea that uh when he says that you know that's that's what it feels like and things like that after he mm-hmm. after he's after he stabs Hawkins that oh, that's another consistent thing in the in the David Gordon Green trilogy in in, in that in that world neck wounds are not fatal <laughs> <laughs> because even after Corey stabs himself in the neck but he he still has enough fight that when Michael tries to take the knife next to him he fights mm-hmm. Michael for the knife which is interesting because it seems to imply that part of unwillingness to die aspect is in Corey. It's just as in manifested enough and he's not strong enough and Michael is stronger is stronger than he is at this point. Because it gets still interesting that Michael has Michael has like no desire. It's not like he goes over there and just hey, I'm going to stab Corey, even though I think he's dead. He completely ignores Corey. so He doesn't <laughs> seem to have any really anim- any animosity towards Corey. It's only after Corey basically tries to get into a dick waving contest over the <laughs> knife that Michael decides, well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got things to do. So let me crack this guy's neck and move on. <laughs> oh, look at the time I got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> actually
0: okay i will say that was that was another surprise because once it got to that point i'm like okay they will kill michael at the end of this movie but they'll show that Corey survived and that will be their backdoor way of showing that oh yeah we could revisit this franchise with a new version of michael but it'll be Corey. but the fact that i was like oh no okay they did it
1: <laughs> and i heard rumors at one point there was an ending that was supposed to be like that which kind of would have made which would have opened the door but again I don't know. I don't think it would have been the worst ending in the world, but but either way, just like I heard there's an ending where Lori ended up being possessed by the evil after because because yeah. the ending cause, yeah, because the ending was supposed to be different where they took the body to her which we didn't really talk about that after, after I think I think
0: actually that ending got like I, I was reading about that today. I think they screamed that ending. Lori was actually like fighting the, the evil inside her and like basically forced Allison to
1: leave her. Yes, that's what I've and, that's what I've heard. And I guess said.
0: like the audiences were like, No, fuck no, you can't have well, no, Lori be the bad guy.
1: Well, it makes sense, because if you're going to have Laurie survive and see me, if you're going to have Laurie survive and you want her to have a happy ending, because obviously the last 40 years have been shit for her. So if she's going to live, you at least want her to have a happy ending, having her go through everything she's gone through just to basically now she's got the evil in her that yet. Yeah, and that would make I think that's an ending that would make nobody happy. So that's probably why they didn't go with it. But, yeah, the, the well, the, the real ending was Michael basically gets bled out. Finally, he's dead. But because they're bright this time, it's like, well, as Allison says, not dead enough. So they take him back. <laughs> so they take him to the junkyard and they feed him through like the trash compactor grinder and they literally turn him into chop meat. And that's the end of Michael Myers' body. And that, and though they keep the mask, which is odd. That's kind of odd. that just see the mask sitting on the table at, you know, at, when the, when they're kind of doing the 78 callback and going yeah, from room it's to room. Yeah, that's her victory trophy. Yeah, yeah it, it, that is. But the alternate ending supposedly was instead of instead of grinding him, they took him to a I think a funeral home and they cremated him. And Lori locked Mm -hmm. eyes with Michael right before he got cremated, and that was supposed to open the door for the evil, just like the evil had gone into Corey, the evil going into Lori, and Lori was not and she yeah she was losing control and she and she forced Allison out while she still had a a little measure of control. But yeah, I I I like Corey. I I. I know why again this this goes against so much of conventional wisdom as what we were gonna get in this movie. I understand. And I do understand the idea if they were gonna go do this transfer concept. They, I do think there's a little bit of truth. They could have introduced this a little earlier on, maybe into the series, or introduced Corey even as a sub as a second tier character, like they've done in other aspects of this trilogy when they introduced the doctor and the nurse, the sure. couple. Yeah. But I don't and I, but I I appreciate them doing something different. I tend to in movies, which is funny because I'm not, you know, I, I'm not necessarily, a, hey, let's embrace change kind of guy. But when it comes to movie franchises, other than The Last Jedi, which for mo- multiple reasons, I don't think worked, and, and just kind of was disrespectful for different, different and many left different levels. When they go try something different, whether it's a Friday the 13th, part five, whether it's Blair Witch, Book of Shadows, I mean, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. I can even have the original Halloween three, which yeah, oh, I, was three, just, yes. I was disappointed as a kid because I wanted to see Michael Myers. Cause I was, a, I was a kid when that came out and I was into Halloween, just got sort of getting into Halloween and Halloween too. But as a movie almost, you know, really early on, I recognized, well, yeah, if they just called it season, the witch people wouldn't complain about this movie, but I, but now that movie is now, now it's the in thing to appropriately, but now that the cool kids now think Halloween three is great but that's not the consensus opinion when, when it came out. So I'm usually okay with take trying trying to do something different because you can you can appreciate it even if even if you almost know it's not going to work like Blair Witch 2 was almost that they people wanted somebody else in the woods with shaky cam. That's what people wanted for Blair Witch 2. It was really ballsy to do the movie that they did, but it made perfect sense that it just was not going to go over. Well, <laughs> but I I had no I thought being creative in this final part, yeah, I think I, I'm surprised how much I like this movie. I've seen it twice. I probably will see it again. It was so stupid they released it on Peacock. It was stupid mm-hmm. when they released kills on Peacock because they didn't need to do that either. The box office had already been proven it was viable. And certainly there was no reason to do it now for a streaming service that the odds are ain't going to be around in a few years anyway because it's going to be bought by somebody else because nobody likes it but it made it really easy to hurt your own box office. Cause I think you can literally get Peacock for a year right now for like 1999. Sure. so, so the reality is they, and, but it didn't, it probably would have made less money than kills no matter what, because kills wasn't overly popular. No. And, yeah, diminishing returns. Yeah, the law of diminishing returns. It's like the way the rise of Skywalker was always going to do less business than the last Jedi, because the last Jedi did the damage. Right now the, I, I don't think, I'd be surprised if this movie's going to hold very well, but then again, with Black Adam coming out on Thursday, I don't know if it would have held well even if people really liked it. If Black Adam does really well, if, I mean, if it does, if it meets expectations or exceeds it at the box office, maybe Halloween Ends was always going to get cut off at the knees in its second week, based on how close the, these movies were coming out. But if you look at the actual box office and you take out the, the Thursday screenings, the box office between Friday and Saturday were were relatively close. So I. So I don't think word of mouth killed this movie. It still made for like $41 million. So it didn't, I think I think people might appreciate this more too, as time goes by, it was, it was an interesting conclusion. It gives you a definitive answer to the Lori Michael confrontation, speaks a lot about the nature of evil and what Michael's power really was and what feeds him. And, and I don't know. It doesn't give you all the answers everybody would want, but again, but they do it in, they do it in an interesting way that it's, much, I think it's, I think is better. As many people have think, I think that it's it's better not to have 100% concrete answers to what what really what the evil really comes from with Michael, and yes. mm-hmm. you you leave it undefined, and that's sometimes, and because then you can project your own feelings into it, and that's usually more effective than being told and or, or, or pin, pigeonhole you into a into a oh no, it can't be this because we because they already told us it has to be that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you have like, like, like what were your actual like criticisms, like negatives? Because I only had a few. Like there were things that I was just kind of like mad about, but like the things, the problems I had, kind of slight. like feeling like the the romance between uh, um, Corey and Allison was rushed. But I'm like, yeah, I get it. You need to do that for the movie. So moving on. Um, I did feel like the scene where Corey is now sleeping in the Allen's house, which <clears throat> how a house that size in that town doesn't get sold right away. Like how, how, why is that house abandoned? I don't understand. Um, but the fact when he's sleeping in there and like that morning, when, when Laurie is there confronting him and he says something to the effect, like, like you, like you, you brought us together, like you pushed into this. There was a detail that I kind of wanted to flesh out a little bit more that I don't think they touched on, which was that Lori, when they were, <clears throat> when she met him in the parking lot of the of the gas station of the Seven Eleven or whatever, she gave him the knife to cut the guy's tires, the the bully. And yeah, that, she, yeah,
1: she offered it up. She said, "Do you want to do it or should I?"
0: Right, and he slashed those tires, and then that kid saw him at the junkyard and like knew what was going on. And and he retaliated him against like that moment, like giving him the knife is what put those two on the collision course that then put him in front of Michael Myers, like indirectly. So I, I kind of wish there would just been some recognition that like, yeah, her thinking that she was kind of, you know, above this and that she she had spiritually and, and holistically moved beyond the threat of Michael Myers. No, she still, contributed to this kid's downfall and i feel like there were parts where people were blaming her that like you know like she's like oh the, the one woman who said you know um what like they like you taunted him so he came back and like killed her. i was like okay you're not you're not playing fair but i was like okay it might be an, an honest criticism that you've met this kid in the in like the in the parking lot and gave him a weapon to cause graffiti and now like the consequences of that spun out of your control They're like, okay Lori, you're not completely innocent here yeah. uh, that, like- that, that part also bothered me just a little bit that there wasn't a reckoning for that part
1: well i think see at first it bothered me that and, and again it's, it's typical of the way society is and how people don't people misrepresent facts and how things get because we have so many different variations of blaming Lori. It's like the stupid DJ is like, "Oh, she insulted a man, with, like she taunted a man with brain damage or whatever it was." It's like, right. it's like, it's like, what the hell, man? But but when yeah, when the sister of the guy who we thought was gonna die, who was gonna bleed out from the, getting stabbed with the fluorescent tube and Halloween kills, that just turns out she's alive, but she, you know, she can't speak. That her sister is taunting Lori, when, which is really shitty because Lori's in a, hap, a really happy mood coming out of the grocery store, mm-hmm. saying that. About you know about taunting Michael Myers or how whatever she's the language that's used at that moment. I think the idea is the fact that again the idea of the of almost like a, a perverse version of of the secret. It's like what you put out in the universe is what you get. The fact that Lori was obsessing over this for 40 years, and because Lori was obsessing over it, it's like almost like she was casting this she was casting the Michael Myers shadow over Haddonfield when the town had effectively moved on. Right. So on that level, I can understand the fact. I can understand maybe how the town blames her, even though it's like it's more like a jinx kind of thing than the logic. It's the yeah, fact that you yeah, know,
0: I I also felt I mean, part of it was, and I think Corey, I think it, it's Corey, like speaks something to this. Like in the very when he says like when Michael disappeared in the absence of the villain, they needed to create a scapegoat and they found it in him. And yeah, I think his,
1: mom, they, his mom His mom. says that. I think oh, his mom okay,
0: yeah, that. yeah. And then, oh yeah, because she, she says that to Lauren too, yeah. yeah. And then like kind of turning on Laurie, like it's like the town needs a villain because they didn't get closure to the Michael Myers thing. And I think that's what, the finale is about why they have basically a funeral procession, a parade through the town where everybody goes because they needed that closure. They needed to see the villain ultimately die so that they can all heal as a community. Um, And I think, yeah, that was just part of part of the overall structure of what David Gordon Green was going for with this trilogy of showing like the first one was on the micro level of how, not what the killer does, but like how 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 do you treat a survivor, somebody who went through this trauma and what it did to Lori. And then we saw that it messed her up and and it made her hard and brutal and she kind of had to like almost turn herself into a monster in that the way she isolated herself from her family. And then she gets to heal, but on the other two movies we see more of the macro level of what this does to the town and the town starts to turn on each other. And I think in the second one in Halloween kills they bring up these questions that they just didn't know how to deal with the, the ter- in terms of like the mob violence and the escalation of this sort of riot nature. But in this one, they bring it back to the micro of having what the town does looking for a scapegoat and turning and creating a monster of their own, like in terms of making Corey kind of a Frankenstein. And that's why he's like talking to, to Allison about burning the whole town down of just wanting to get rid of that because of what it's done to him. So I thought that I, I think that's why the first and third movies are more successful and more fulfilling in that they're actually bringing up interesting questions that they have a statement about, they have a thesis or, or you know a theory of the case for what you know the the topic that they're trying to address. I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with Halloween Kills.
1: Yeah, you can make it. You can make a strong case about that. One besides that, I mentioned the window, the the window thing from Halloween kills. One thing I bought. The other thing that bothers me oh, only because it seems to contradict itself somewhat is when Laurie towards the end of kills was making the point that when she supposedly has this uh, epiphany about that, you can't you can't stop or you can't beat Michael Myers with brute force or violence. But yet, ultimately, that's kind of which how they do stop him on some level, unless you want to make the case because of the fact that his evil has kind of been spread out and diluted and that he's, and that he is, he's not the evil presence that he was that, that you're able to, or she's just talking about the fact that you can, you can destroy his, you can destroy his body physically, but the evil is inside him. You can't, that can't be destroyed by brute force, but it just seems kind of odd because, you know, literally they, she, you know, she, that's how she, that's how she takes him out at the end with Allison's help, but that's how she, that's how she takes him out. They, you know, these he's spread out on that on the island in the kitchen, and he's and he bleeds out, and then they take him to get, to get made into hamburger. But uh, other than that, I didn't like. I also I just did. I didn't like when Allison was saying those really shitty things to Lori, uh, before she went to go meet Corey, because that to, to me that just fell into the 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 Adonis Creed habit of, of just like forgetting like every but every what everybody's done for you and lashing out. <laughs> Immaturely, especially when she's basically blaming Lori for the death of like all her friends in the first movie. It's like, I know you could put it under the same blanket. Like we just described that because Lori is the one who essentially has kept this, had kept this shadow hanging over Haddon for all this time. When if, if she had just moved on, like the town had moved on, then maybe, but it's also not, but it's also not like we got, it's not like the movie we got was something that we almost got, which was Laurie was going to cause the a bus crash to free Michael Myers. That, <laughs> if they had done that, which would have been horrible, then every all that criticism on including the Allison criticism would be 100% justified because she literally, in her desire to see Mike, to get Michael one-on-one so she could finish him and things go awry and he, and he gets loosed into the world again, loosing evil into the world again, that she would be directly responsible for everybody who died because if she didn't but we know that in, in the movie we got, that's not what happened. That was more Sartain's work than anybody's. <laughs> so we never get a real explanation on how that how that really worked either, on what he did, unless he just made sure that his chains were lot really locked. And which is one of the things that people talk about, oh uh, how could Michael do all these all this killing before if 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 he time, t- you know, if he's if he's so weak w- without killing them, you know, he would have been like 40 years in between killing it when he's in Smith's Grove. But, yeah, by the time we see him again after the bus accident, he's already killed a shit ton of people. I mean, all the security, co- all the go- all, all the cops, except for the one that tells the kid to run, you would assume that are dead. Michael killed. Right. Uh, we know he kills the father and the son right there. Yeah. And he ends up killing, which is funny. He kills four people at the gas station. But if you go back and you watch the beginning of Halloween Kills before you even realize it's Tommy. Lindsay and Lonnie talking you hear you hear Tommy's voice and they're talking about I believe it says two homicides at the gas station which seemingly would imply two of those people survived which I guess would have to be uh, Aaron and the mechanic because we damn well know the attendant and, and uh, what's her face I just drew a blank oh yeah the, Dana, I don't remember. The da- the Dana, Dana and the uh, attendant are cl- clearly dead but it's in, but it's interesting but either way he's killed at least two people if not more there so he's already gotten a charge if that if you're going with the same theory, and that would also explain the bloodlust one uh, tracking shot when he first get back in the field because he's when he's going from house to house killing people. So, so that so I think that kind of fits without you know with it not being completely defined. You can make a case that that doesn't contradict what we saw in 2018 either.
0: Oh, the, the moment at the end when they have like the, the sort of parade and funeral procession, when we finally get the, the sheriff and the 10-gallon hat come yeah. back. I was, like, I, I was like, when I see him, I was like, I forgot about you. What the hell was your purpose in this whole trilogy? Like, yeah. why is this character here?
1: Let's be honest. The odds, I mean, unless he wasn't up for re-election yet, which is very doubtful, how would he, how would he even have a job? Okay. <laughs> he, I, mean, I, I mean, especially compared to, I mean. Forget that Brackett just got killed horribly in the last movie. I mean, people, I mean, compared to Brackett, I mean, this guy is like, yeah, he's he serves no, I mean, we speaking of, in a way related to to this, we assume Frank must have moved up to detective by the time we get into this movie. Because while we do see him in uniform during the gap, like when Laurie's describing stuff that's happened and hadn't feel like, basically like doing this narration, I guess, fill the, the four-year gap from movie to movie. We see him, I think, in his police uniform, in his jacket once, but we, we see him only in street clothes. uh,
0: I assumed he was retired.
1: eh, But he still talks about, remember, he talks about feeding the guys at the station when they're talking at the. the, So I think Uh, I'm I'm going to assume that he's just he's he's been promoted up to detective. So that's why he's in street clothes. Maybe not, but I'm going to assume that's the case. But yeah, yeah, Barker. literally it has only half one scene in the movie and but at least they finally let him do something intelligent for a change (laughs) but which is real funny that the that the that there's other cops on the i guess i guess if i shouldn't i shouldn't be disparaging because really ethically the cop those cops that were saying well we really shouldn't be doing this they really are technically doing the right thing Uh but if you've grown up in haddonfield it's like no this is the way to do it (laughs) You bring the marshmallows, we'll make the s'mores over his dead body. Uh, just allergic, yeah, that's I did I did obviously see the comparison between the star the sequel trilogy. There is a little unevenness. It is a it is a surprising amount of unevenness and uniqueness to each movie, considering it's the same director and at least like three or four same writers in all the movie. I think it's a I think it's a more effective trilogy than the Star Wars sequel trilogy, <laughs> but. It's still the fact that it's it's a little it's a little disjointed. Is a little prob It's still odd considering. I
0: I liked that I liked that Laurie had moved on by the beginning of this one. I liked that she was in a different place. Like when I saw, I think I only saw a teaser or a trailer for this one or whatever. And that like when I saw her, like like with the gun, and everything. I was like, I was just expecting her to be kind of like the same kind of vengeful Lori from like the, the beginning of kills and, and the, the first movie. And I was just like, really? Okay. They're going to set this, this up for like this other confrontation. I was like, didn't like, that's what the whole first movie was about. And like, like she kind of got that she got to have her fight with him where she got the better of him and left him for dead to burn in the house. And then like he had been freed but I was like that, that could have and should have been the resolution of their story. So I liked that. For this one, she had a different occupation. She was feeling, she was trying to protect her granddaughter, not from the danger of Michael Myers, but just from a boy. That she was like, this guy isn't right for you, um and and also trying to steer this boy down from going down this dark path. And she was just more of a, a good kind of rational person, and she she had p- healthy interactions with Frank, and they were healthy. And then that also made me happy like by the time they do have their final fight yeah it, this can just be like a five-minute battle in the kitchen and we're good um so i i was glad that she wasn't I'm, I'm glad that she wasn't sarah connor again in this movie the way she was in the 2018 movie
1: i agree not that she was a very effective sarah connor when for to shove <laughs> she really wasn't but but yes i understand i agree that she had i agree that she had moved on and i and, and i think that was a good book a good close giving good closure to the character because that car i mean the, the idea that she you know the, the last 40 years of her life between 78 and 2018 was just that's what that's what her life was about that basically michael myers if you go with that ending that you know, that belief that michael myers really did kill her he, she's just still breathing <laughs> the essence of who she was or, was really gone so it's kind of good that you had that she had reached she had reached that closure moment uh i wish we had gotten more frank in this movie it was a little disappointing we didn't um it's weird especially because you knew in the second movie you were limited because the fact that laurie was going to have to be in the hospital because of what happened to her and whether they had always intended frank to come back or whether people they just people really really liked his character and they decided well let's retcon it and make him survive that neck wound that you he was there was no way he could be he was going to be incapacitated too so the point is You thought Frank – it would have been nice, I think, if Frank – maybe Frank Allison and Laurie on one level had a little more to do in this movie together. Though I don't think it's fair criticism that Allison didn't have – Allison, I think, had a significant role in this movie. You may not have liked what it was, a lot of people, but she was in the movie a decent amount considering. um,
0: Yeah, she – I mean, she was a good – she had a good chunk of screen time and a good – some stuff to do. But it definitely feels like – I mean, she was – the love interest, not never really the damsel in distress, but just kind of the love interest and the hanger on and the nag at some point. So she didn't have her necessarily. She was a character that you rooted for, I think just because of association and knowing her from the other films. Um, I, I don't think this necessarily, I don't think this movie did many favors for her. No, no, no um, other than just showing more of her. And she was, you know she's the the actress has just enough natural charisma and attraction that she's she's fun to watch on the screen so i think that that helped but beyond that is this the best vehicle for her no not really
1: no would agree so do you think ends is the best of the trilogy or are you
0: i do i do yeah, yeah um, I- and again like i uh, the, the first one like uh, thinking about it i was like i i think they introduced something really unique and kind of had this, this clever spin on it but by the end of it, I felt like they were just kind of they they reset back to the sort of the sort of factory you know just stalking and killing the same way. Um, had some some unique and interesting things to to do with that, but I felt like where they that movie started and where it ended were a little bit disjointed. I still don't like Halloween Kills. Maybe someday I'll revisit that and be able to look at it from a distance and just see it as something silly. Um, but I just again that one was me just not caring about those characters and not being thoroughly entertained by Michael's, even even the gore fest part of it and the kills. It was just kind of boring. So this one, because it did give me characters that I found compelling and and a new story and surprises. Like even if I thought they they took a big swing and whiffed from time to time, I was like, you know what? You're taking a big swing, you're trying to do something creative. And that just yeah, like yeah, I, I, I did not see it coming. But the movie that I saw, I was like, that was entertaining, if nothing else, and kept me, kept me occupied, and and gave me things that I wanted that I never thought I would see from this franchise again. But yeah, again, not without flaws, and not necessarily high art, but fun and enjoyable and unique a little bit amongst these Halloween movies. So yeah, yeah, definitely the best of the three.
1: I would agree. I think this is. This is the best of the three. And I I guess the, in, conc- <clears throat> in conclusion for me, I guess I would say that I would if you're on the fence about seeing it, obviously, if you're a peacock, you don't have to leave the house and see it. Or if you're willing to spend like 19 bucks in 1999 to have peacock for a year, then why not? But I would not certainly regardless of what people are saying. This is a movie. If, you, if you're a fan of the franchise, it's worth seeing and judging on your own, no matter what, because there there are good things in this. Even if you don't necessarily agree with like Ryan said, with all every 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 choice they made, every direction they went in at a time. But it's a very but it's a very well-made movie. That's one of the things that struck me immediately. That I think arguably just as a movie, not maybe again, you may not based on a blueprint and your checkboxes in a Halloween movie, it may not be the may not be the best in this trilogy to some people. But as a movie, I think probably overall the way how it's structured, how it's made what it's trying to accomplish i think it's the best of the trilogy too so i would certainly recommend it and i was pleasantly pleasantly surprised i i i also by the way i'm not really looking forward to black panther but i would say that this movie i absolutely i anticipated this was going to be a crap fest there's no doubt about that so it's a nice pleasant surprise that this movie is was enjoyable and i, and I do look forward to seeing it again all right cool all right ryan what do you, what do you have
0: Uh, If people want to hear more from me, you can find me on the fire and water podcast network. My only show currently active is cheers cast where I'm going through the NBC sitcom from the 80s and 90s cheers one episode at a time. Uh, If you want something more thematically appropriate to Halloween or the season, um, I have a podcast that is over now it's canceled, but you can still find back episodes called Midnight, the podcasting hour, where I covered uh, DC horror comics uh, for 31 episodes, including stories about Swamp Thing, uh, Dead Man, other monsters, uh, one-off stories from House of Mystery, House of Secrets, things like that. Uh, So if that's something that you would be interested in, uh, you can find that at midnight, the podcasting hour. Both of those shows are part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network.
1: Cool. So for us, lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag Geocast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a, leave us a positive review on all platforms you'll listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. Good night, everybody. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> happy
0: Happy Halloween. Happy Happy
1: Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Happy Happy
0: Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Silver
1: Shamrock. Four more shows that jackets can, jackets can, jackets can. Four more shows that jackets can That Sale Bo Goldman. Four more shows that Shaggots can, Shaggots can, Shaggots can. Four more shows that Shaggots can set sail. Bo Goman.